the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk and I'm joined by two special guests this week, but I do have to make an apology. Um, Dermot Nolan is not here this week. He's sunning himself in Malta. I honestly don't know what the weather is like there, to be honest, but um, that's what he's up to and he's, he's gallivanting around town uh, making new friends. But he will be back uh, next week, all being well. Uh, providing the letting through customs, of course, with all the new restrictions and everything going on. So we wish him all the very best. No doubt he is listening uh, from the comfort of a hotel room or a bar somewhere, uh, as you are, our listeners. Uh, Darren Hughes is back. Darren, how are you? Not too bad, Dean. Yeah, yeah. Solid weekends racing. Hit the frame with a couple of selections. So look at you go again this weekend. Hope to grab a few winners. Hey, we're going to talk about some of uh, what you said last week on the pod, uh, coming up in a very short section of a review. But uh, yeah, you, 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 I tell you, you're saying you hit the bar, but you actually did okay. But we'll come to that. Uh, David Weldon is back. A little while, uh, Mr. Weldon, how are you? Not too bad, Dean. Yeah, it's been, been a while since it's been on, so uh, it's good to be back and crack on with it. Um, our, our already captivating jump season. It's, it's becoming captivating. It is becoming captivating. I'm starting to slowly get back into into the groove of it all and you know three days at Cheltenham and uh, and some quality stuff elsewhere of course always you know, helps uh, yeah it definitely helps and gets you back into the mood suddenly I feel like I know what's going to win in March and once I start getting those feelings then then I'm, I'm absolutely into it uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the weekend a couple of um, talking points we'll come to of course is the John Warwick situation and um, Rachel Blackmore on uh, Darren your tip gin on lime um, but we do have a little bit here where we're going to do uh, uh, you know, notebooks. So, Darren, I'll come to you first. Um, you can talk to me about Gin Online and, uh, and Rachel Blackmore uh, performing heroics, depending which way you see it. And uh, any horses you want to pick out from the weekend? Uh, yeah, well, Gin Online was never in doubt. Um, I think it was the least winner of all weekend. Um, that old my Drogo was never going by. I know, look, uh, the frustrating thing about that was the commentary on Rachel afterwards. I find that. I think someone said afterwards, you know, racing doesn't need enemies when it has friends. Uh, like the, the commentary on racing TV and stuff afterwards, I thought it was not the George, but disgrace for one of the most impressive things I've ever seen on a race course. And the first that all they could talk about was how dangerous it was potentially making unwarranted comparisons to Kalotovic. Like there's no evidence that Kalotovic's injury came from the same thing as what Jen online did. You know, I, I just thought it was really unhelpful when. You know, we when what we should be doing is talking up again. One of the most impressive things that I've ever seen in the race course from from, from a human being. Um, but look, we leave that where it is. It was a, a winner in the bag in, a, in in the least likely way possible, I suppose. Hang on, um, though. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Just just one second there, because it, it was a, a remarkable piece of horsemanship or horsewomanship mm. from Rachel, and nothing surprised you with her because she's so good. But the stewards are still in the box, right? My Drogo can't win. And the horse is up. She had longer to wait if she wanted. She could have trotted around a few times. Yeah. My take on it was if she'd have done that and then made her assessment that the horse was A1, and maybe she made it as quick as she did. Uh, obviously, she did. But there was, there was a longer period of time. And I think that then we could have accentuated the positives. She took her time. She felt that everything was A1. And she went and popped you know, the, the final flight. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I'm willing to take it that Rachel 
knew where she was at pretty quickly, um, much quicker than the time it would have taken for the horse to trot around in circles a couple of times. I, I understand what you're saying, uh, and from a you know from a visual perspective and, for, and and from an aesthetics perspective, I suppose if you're looking at it, you might say, yeah, would it not have been nicer? But again, it's heat the moment stuff. I'm willing to accept that she she knew pretty much all was well. The horse took off when she asked her to go. She jumped the last reasonably well, one of her better jumps actually. She didn't jump great the whole way around, and. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I understand what you're saying, but but I really think it's unhelpful uh, to make that the uh, which which is what Racing TV did. They made that the center point of their commentary as opposed to how how amazing it was what Rachel did. So that yeah. was my the original. Point. The original disgrace of it was there was only two runners in the bleeding race. That's, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's an ultimate disgrace uh, all round for everyone concerned. It didn't. Uh, find a horse that could go in and uh, and get involved with them. And in fact, you know, a third horse in the race could have been only a few lengths behind Jump Last and one. So oh no doubt, so, obviously, yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd wonder how the race ran, but yeah, yeah. probably would have won. Right, go on, give us your horses, down. Um, yeah, just wanted to say just a couple more. Uh, the big Doyen in the bumper on Sunday was very good. Best luck to the lads that own him. I'd say he'd be in different colours the next day. But uh, won by 15 lengths. I thought Night Salute was good in the juvenile hurdle on Friday. We didn't touch in the race last week. But I think mm. if this horse is trained by anyone but Milton Harris, he'd be talked about an awful lot more. I think he was he was loads of value for the winning distance. Now, look, you don't get many triumph winners out in November or October. But at the same time, I thought he was pretty good in, in what he did. And then I, I do think Nube Negra, it's possible he's improved from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have that much to find to go very close in the champion chase and it's possible I, he's not one for me but he surprised me what he did at the weekend and then lastly I thought Charger was very good and if the ground is anyway quick the next March he's by far and away the biggest danger Tony Suckle he's comfortably the second best hurdler around I think yeah kind of proved that there and the Echoes in Rain uh, bubble was um, you know, but it's a little bit like saint was a similar time uh, mm. last season although I was, I was very uh, favourable in terms of saint making it up uh, to a Champanova contender. But these things happen. The price was remarkable. And Darren, all fair play to you. Uh, Salty Boy, Charger, Gin Online. Um, I think I just reel off those, but like that's from last week. So fair play to you. Stuck your neck on the line a couple of times and, uh, and, and got it done. Mr. Weldon, I'll come to you. Um, why don't you kick off with what, you, what your take was on, on Rachel Blackmore's um, you know, heroics. I'm going to call them heroics aboard uh, Gin Online. And then give us your horses. Yeah, I agree with Darren. I was watching on Racing TV myself and I couldn't believe, I think it was Nick Luck and um, was it Jonathan Neeson who were on? Yeah. And straight away it was uh, unedifying, it was dangerous, it was all these negative words being, being bantered out um, when it was an actual amazing feat of balance and core strength. Um, mm-hmm. And to come from a woman as well, it should be bandied and, and shouted from the rooftops of how good that that was. Um like she, she was going to finish a, a bad second on the horse, no doubt about it in my eyes. My Drago was a lucky, jumped well up to then, um, and that. And you have to remember, she fell at the back of the second, and there's about 100, 150 yards between the, sec, the second last to the last. She was able to see, trotted the horse up, didn't go any gallop, didn't try, just got the horse moving again, and her knowing the horse would have been able to make that assessment that quickly. I have no doubt in my mind that if the horse was not right, she would not have jumped the last and would have pulled up straight away. Um, so you have to trust her she's professional she knows the horse inside out and it was an amazing feat and I was actually there in Leopardstown um, for Kolotovic and I remember walking back from the parade ring after the horse had won and Gary O'Brien and Kevin Blake were doing the at-the-races coverage at the time and they were shouting and roaring at how good Ruby Walsh was to get to stay on that horse and then to get him back up and win 
and that's what we need from our racing coverage um, is to promote racing not to dampen it into the ground well said okay um, yeah so <laughs> that's my little rant over for, for the time being anyway um, as regards the weekend goes I think Oscar Elite uh, would have won the first race on the Sunday for Colin Tizard he fell he fell I think it was the fourth or fifth blast it was a fair bit out still but Brendan Powell kind of I think he saw a stride went for it and the horse just went novice and just tipped up um, but that was a decent race behind uh, Does He Know and Three Under Shoe Five went on to win the race uh, she'll win he'll win a couple of races um, this season could be very good Shark Hannon had won the bumper at on Sunday as well Hardy Fella a big Larry Green type I was wondering why you brought him over Um he wasn't back there like that it wasn't as if he was expecting he went off 25 to 1 under Adrian Heskin and he ran he finished fourth he was leading up to the furlong pole and then just got outstayed and, and, and probably just out battled um, and probably would come on a lot for that, for that experience and then Cork in the beginner's chase there was uh, the one the race to uh, Magic Days one she, she was very impressive mm-hmm. but uh, Darren's Hope and Say's Gold in behind like, they're not going to be running on good ground over two miles for, for much longer. They'll be up and trip on soft ground. They'll win races. Um, they jumped fairly well and travelled well enough in behind. A, a really good winner. Um, so just keep an eye out for them when they get handicap marks. And I agree with Darren Sharge. It was, was brilliant. And Honey Honeysuckle, we all love Honeysuckle on this podcast. Um, Sharjah and the type of them horses are needed for Honeysuckle to establish her legacy uh, and to show what good hurdler she is and what a good champion she can be. Um, there's no point in beating 155 sticks at 1-7 to seven, week in, week out um, we all remember how good Hurricane Fly was um, his legacy was really brought up from uh, beating Je- the likes of Jeski and Eric Connor around Leperstown in them epic battles back back in the day um, so more of that from Sharjah please um, and I thought River to Tell was very good on the Saturday at Punchestown I know she's getting a lot of weight 18 pounds or whatever but um, I thought she jumped very well and she jumped a bit right but I think that happens a lot of Punchestown because the chase track is on the outside um, and there's no rail after the fence. So horses kind of duck in and it looks like it's a bit more exaggerated. I don't think you should have an issue going left-handed, to be honest. Hey, the Drimmore with um, with the allowances makes a lot of sense, but she took full advantage of the allowances there at the weekend, no doubt. Yeah, the, I don't think she's in the Drimmore. I think Christmas is probably the target now. The race of post novices on, the, on Stevens' day. Might come a bit soon, anyway. Um, yeah, the dream yeah. of, what is it? Ten days away or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get to that um, next week, I guess. Um, I can't let anyone go away without talking about the uh, the the Paddy Power Gold Cup. Uh, shout out to Stephen Cass who got the winner again um, after Cool Cody last year, and then highlighting Midnight Shadow as the one that, if it just performed to its level, and a couple of the sexier ones didn't deliver, um, that that was his fancy and fair play. Uh, Dave, I know you're a big fan of, of Midnight Shadow, probably. Um, maybe passed you by this you can't stick with them forever can you the weekend yeah i kind of had abandoned them um i thought the ground might be a bit quick for him um seems like a bit of a dig in it and I just i was getting a bit frustrated with him and i abandoned him but of course once you abandon them they they, they realize they're a good racehorse and, and bolt up and he was very good like he had the race in the bag two out and uh powered up the hill um, and he got a bit tired and protector was probably flying um Protector runs some race considering the mistake made early on and uh, really, I think, you know, backed up uh, the rating that it has. Didn't ultimately get it done on the day. What did we make in this an open question because you know uh, my interest in the horse. What do we make of Galahad's quest run uh, back in uh, in fifth, sixth place alongside Zanza? 
it's, I thought I thought it was good. As in, he had every reason or every excuse to chuck it in. It's what I thought. As in, he, you know, if, if he had finished out the back of the telly, finished tenth, I wouldn't have been too upset. But the fact the way he stuck at it so admirably, uh, obviously for a horse that's only five, um, who probably does want further, and obviously probably, he probably doesn't want the ground as quick as it was either. Like that was four. That was point. I was really half a second under standard. Uh, the time of the race. So, like, the ground was pretty quick at Cheltenham at the weekend, which I would say wouldn't have been his bag at all. So, loads of positive to take away from that. Uh, again, especially given his age, there's no reason. I'd say there's a big part in him at some point in the not-too-distant future. Well, <clears throat> you know I like my theories, and as I gave you one for Sport and John last week, which came off in that race, might not come off ultimately in the stairs head, or I think uh, some some bookmakers, I won't embarrass them by naming them, 12-1 to 1 for the stairs head, or now Sport and John. But... If you want to look at um, Galahad Quest and the trainer and the type of horse they have there, um, then I would say that horse wins the Ultima as it likes. Uh, Dave? Yeah, it's a fair shout. A bit of long distance view on there from New Dino. Um, he was very good. Uh, you, yeah, as Darren said, there's no negatives to, to the run at all. Um, I think if they were to do it again, I would say David Newland might probably sit a bit more prominent, maybe, um, would be the only thing because it's very hard to make up, as we've seen, it's very hard to make up ground to Cheltenham over fences uh, you just need to be able Especially to jump on that ground. Travel. yeah exactly really yeah. Tough. Yeah. they don't um, come back yeah they don't come back uh, so if you do it again and with, with and if it's a bit more drilled and a bit more hardened sit closer maybe second or third beside him in the shadow and be a great battle up the line because he didn't he didn't wilt or anything like that so um, the only way no, is fact, up for that horse in fact, he kind of flew towards the yeah. end. Um, it's almost like the penny is still dropping, right? And there's plenty of runs under the hood um, for a five-year-old anyway. Uh, so it's obviously quite a very forward five-year-old. But he's a big old gangly thing. I think there's, there's so much more there. I wonder what they'll do because the, the options of the Caspian Caviar and the other races that all come in this, in this cycle are all there. Um, but yeah, I think the old teamer might be the, the right aim uh, for him as a six-year-old at the festival if that's what they want to do. But uh, I know they listen to the podcast, so um, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's let's aim that way uh, camp williams uh be looking forward to that and uh the great word uh, a couple that i thought ran well that didn't quite trouble the protagonist marines rock was very interesting staying on um into sixth and seventh place and botox has who had an awful awful um i don't know whether he's just in a bad mood but he's he's a, he's a bit of a mad old um bastard for for the moors i thought that one stuck on as well i think they'll find handicaps and certainly marie's rock can certainly take a good handicap at some point so watch out for when uh, the money comes there that was my um, quick summary of a couple of the bigger races at Cheltenham. Let's talk about this um, raid on the, um, well, let's let's call it a kind of, I don't know, pre-training. Establishment. Ten, establishment ten, yeah. yeah, establishment. Yeah, uh, yeah. John Warwick um, is obviously the buzzword at the moment. And um, this 70-odd-year-old uh, tendon specialist worked on Snow Fairy and stuff like that has been caught with some uh, substances that are not legal in this country. And uh, it seems to have been a bit of a sting operation. Um, there's this, this could take years to work out, and it could be the worst thing ever. It could be absolutely nothing. Uh, Darren? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's concerning, again, from, a, <clears throat> from a, a visual standpoint or a kind of reputational standpoint, which is not so... I, I, I don't really like the, the word optics or, or, or how much race worries about optics, but it is, it is worrying from that perspective, like... For example, one of my best friends texted me there uh, the other morning, couldn't have less interest in racing, uh, doesn't like gambling, doesn't like any of it. And he goes, geez, this John Warwick stuff is mental. And mm. like for, for it to have trickled down that far, that quickly, that says an awful lot. And as well as that, 
for Paul Kimmich to have his teeth in this already is also very concerning. Like, if Paul Kimmich was asking questions about what I had for lunch, I'd probably emigrate, uh, even though I know I've done nothing <laughs> wrong. He's just, uh, like, once he has his teeth into something, I don't know, English ears might, or listeners might be as familiar with them. He's the guy who brought down Lance Armstrong back in the day. Like, he just, he doesn't leave any stone unturned. He's like a dog with a bone. Look, I, if you ask me, my good instinct would say that, you know, the various people whose lurries were photographed there and who were questioned there, etc. I'd say they're probably all innocent. Uh, I'd say it's highly likely that, you know, the Ted Walsh of the world, they haven't done anything wrong. I'd be quite surprised if they did. But at the same time, there's questions there that need to be answered, not necessarily by Ted Walsh, but by, you know, by the around the entire investigation. And it just, it is concerning. Like, what is, who is this guy? You know, this kind of old wives' tales. He seems to be like a, some sort of a mythical creature that can fix horses' tendons that no one else can fix. I don't really know. I don't fully understand the, the physiology behind horses, but yeah, there's definitely questions to be answered, and it is concerning that it's allowed to rumble on until we get the answers. Is, is, is my main concern. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, is it, it? We assume that the the story is true on the basis that this is um, instigated by a group of UK trainers setting private investigators off. I know Cheltenham was bad for the UK and doesn't look like it's going to improve this time around, but this is some way to fight back, Dave, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a... See on Murder, She Wrote on ITV or whatever, that, you know? Um, it's just crazy. Yeah, it, it, the whole thing, leaves, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, but like, the way I'm kind of looking at it now is like, John Work was very open. Like, uh, Richie Forrest O'Ryan from the Racing Post and he gave a very detailed uh, assessment mm. on what he does in the clinic there. Um, I think it's the connections left, right and centre which are a bit worrying. So the you Kilmore coming out saying don't know who he is, never used him. He might maybe he treated one of the kids' ponies years ago. Mm. Uh, and John Walker saying, No, I do all the yearlings. Um, and then the premises where he operates from is owned by uh, TJ Comerford, who is the head lad for Aidan O'Brien. Um, and then you've Liam Burke, who gets caught up in it, similar to Ted Walsh, and he actually doesn't even know why he's there. He's just bringing a horse up from Cork for a lad uh, to drop him off with John Warwick um, mm. and you, you, Peter Fahey and stuff like that, who, this is all in the Paul Kimmage piece. It's, it's a very good read. It's it's actually, some of it's hilarious, um, in a, not in a, a good way, but uh, like Peter Fahey had a horse box there, and he's like, oh, no, I've never had a horse box. Don't even know who he is. But I have a picture here of him, of your horse box outside. Oh, for God's sake, send me the, send me the picture. I know who it is. And then doesn't bring him back. <laughs> you know, like, um, it's real yeah. kind of Benny Hill stuff nearly, you know, running around chasing everyone. Um, but uh, Paul Kimmich seems to have this with a short and curlies anyway. So um, hopefully, it, the, my, my main issue is, is that it, hopefully the last Irish court system is very slow. Um, previous incidents similar to this where remedies have been found, it's taken two and a half years for them to come to a conclusion. Um, hopefully with the likes of uh, Daffin, the Department of Agriculture, and the IRGRP can exploit this and get and get a res- resolution out quickly. Um sure like the tip off apparently came from the fbi as well i read another piece so like this is going to be global news really um and just hopefully it comes out that everything's okay there's a few suspect remedies there they were never going to be used in ireland all the horses come back to test the negative out to move on and get on with racing but it's going to leave a shadow over irish racing for the next six months anyway if not yeah. whatever the due process is they want to get a move on because when you have someone like Kimmage involved this isn't going to stop being in the paper no exactly it's splashed all over the back of Sunday Times uh, and Sunday Independent and front pages as well um, so it's, it's going to be continue to be talked about on all 
uh, platforms really, which is not what you want to be talked about in racing. You want the, the horses and the jockeys to be doing the talking for you um, in terms of performances on the track. Yep, side point. I mean, before before recording this, I popped onto the Racing Post app to have a skin down and see if there was any uh, latest news. There wasn't a story on it at all on the app. I'm sure that I know they've covered it, but um, just just raising that point that the one place you'd expect to go and get it, and in fact, uh, the Guardian, I think, was the latest story. I'll know yeah. something in the Sun, and you know, uh, this is the kind of thing that we are perpetuating here. So uh, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's get a shift on with, with this kind of stuff. It's, it's, yeah, bomb, it's, bombshell as it sounds. Yeah, it's just it's one bad news story after another at the moment as well. Like you go back to sure. Gordon Elliott uh, before Cheltenham last year and it's just kind of continued on and on over the summer um, with different different things happening. So we just need kind of a break from some bad news cycle and get some good good positive energy out there. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, look, we'll take a break at this point. When we come back on the race hour, we're going to take a look at the weekend uh, action to come. Obviously, that we've got... Uh, the big chase at Haydock will go through the card there. We've got Ascot as well. Um, we've got some action at Navan on Sunday, including the Troy Town. And uh, we'll, we'll shift our way through all of that after this break. You are listening, of course, to The Race Hour, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. You're listening to The Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Race Hour podcast, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Myself, Dean Ryan, Darren Hughes is here, and David Weldon is here. And we're going to kick off with Haydock on Saturday, uh, one of those uh, traditional meetings in the calendar that everyone looks forward to, of course headlined um, by the Betfair Chase, which goes to post at three o'clock. But we're going to start a little bit earlier on the card. And um, some of these fields are quite small this weekend, chaps. But um, one you have to be looking forward to is the the Betfair graduation chase at 150, uh, two miles, five and a half furlongs in front of them. And we're going to have an odds-on poke here, of course, uh, well done with a Braves man's game. But um, I think he's justified odds-on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he should be winning if his aspirations of winning later on in the year or, or graded races anyway. Um, he'd want to be winning this. Uh, Itchy Feet has been fairly disappointing over fences uh, for all that. He is a good yardstick at 155. Um, has to give Brave Man's Game £4. So you'd be disappointed if Brave Man's Game doesn't win and doesn't win well. Yeah, I, I would be. Um, any threat from the other two, Darren? Or is Itchy Feet a value proposition here? Yeah, no, Itchy Feet, our good friends at Bet365 have priced up Itchy Feet at 11 to 10 without the favourite. And I okay. think that's one of the better bets you'll have this weekend. Um, this, his style of running as well, like Brave Man's Game is likely to go forward. Uh, and anything that follows him is likely to suffer as a consequence. Itchy Feet's likely to be ridden cold. Look, if Gavin Sheehan rides him to run well as opposed to rides him to win, I think 11 to 10 without the favourite is a great price. Um, but I would say the favourite should be winning this if he's as good or anywhere close to as good as they make him out to because there's certainly no superstar in here. Um, Paid the Piper is an admirable sort, you know, uh, fiddler on the roof, uh, second behind him, the last hit, fine. Yeah, I like, I like Pay the Piper, but I don't think he wants to finish too close to this front two. Yeah, yeah, it is, and that's the thing, you know, I think it, Itchy Feet's one of those horses kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. He's not really a 155 horse. Um, he's not a great, he's not a great, he's not really a conditions class horse. But uh, he's probably just slightly too high for handicaps at the minute. So maybe, you know, they might not want to finish second with him either. But I did think 11 to 10 was kind of fair without the fast. 
fair enough. Uh, itchy feet without, but Braves man game, um, we're hoping, or I hope, just in terms of the season ahead. And we know our friend Keen Kirby, who's on the podcast, is big, big into this for the uh, for the old RSA, whatever it's called at the moment. Uh, Festival Novices Chase, is it now? Yep. 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 Um, so, and I think it's still a very backable price for that. That will only contract because that's what bookmakers do uh, after uh, the this weekend. But uh, you've got to go and get it done at 150. Uh, hey, Doc. Okay, let's move on to 225. Um, this one is the Stayers Handicap. It's a great three affair. And actually, we're going to get a decent sized field here. Darren, I'm going to come to you first. I was impressed with Stony Mountains win the last day. Now it was handicapped uh, to go well. Bit of ho- beat a horse that reopposes this time. Did they leave you out too? Who just loves to get beat. So maybe you can mark that down a little bit. But it hasn't been like, duly over punished uh, with a four pound rise and a double figure price. I'd be inclined to, to give um, Jamie Stone and Gavin Sheehan's. Uh, runner who's newly in the yard uh, another chance but you tell me what you came down on yeah I was sitting across me in the office on that one actually um, I, I vividly remember it uh, we got a good celebration out of it uh, he did, did it well um, yeah look this is very boring uh, Emmett Mullins farms these races I don't really know how they managed to get to America 125 at right place right time um, on anything that he's done but you know I suppose connections are probably happy enough because it lets him in here off 10 stone too he was very good the last day in Fairy House clearly says the trip very well. Uh, I think three, three miles is going to improve him. Um, obviously, Emmett kind of had him running over the two, two and a half mile trips there, which just wasn't quite far enough for him. Um, it's impossible to know how good or bad this horse is, but I would imagine I'd be I'd be very, very surprised if he wasn't absolutely thrown in off one, two, five, uh, now that Emmett's, he's in Emmett's care. Harry Kimbers takes a value with seven pounds off. Boring enough, I think he's, he, he should just go and win. As I said, Emmett's record sending horses to the UK is pretty stellar, so um, I'm not going to oppose him here. All looks pretty obvious, doesn't it? With one, two, five, seven pound claimer, those colours, Byrne and Emmett Mullins coming to the UK to steal a pot, David Well. Yeah, it, it is fairly smacking you there in the face, especially off such a low weight and then claiming off him further. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to argue against it. The one I kind of landed on was um, Martin Hall for uh, David Pipe and Richard Patrick. He it's about 20 to 1. He's a decent each way chance. He's improved last year 16 pounds from a mark of 116 to 133. He's well beaten the Martin Pipe then after that, but um, he's had plenty of these in behind. The likes of uh, the Hobbs horse there, Ormsby Legend, was uh, miles behind them last season. So he's a prominent racer, which will suit at, at uh, Haydock, get on the front and just track and hunt away. Uh, and at, 60, at 20 to 1, he is a decent each way shout, I thought. Yeah, and uh, Richard Patrick, jockey I've got a lot of time for, rides a lot for the Lees and does uh, super good things. So um, interesting to see him pick up that up for David Pipe. Obviously, rode him at Cheltenham as well. Yeah, he rides for the connections there, the owners, McLennan, David, a lot of horse with Michael Scoot and more and stuff like that. He rides a lot of them. Very good. Okay, that's a big price shout then with Martin Orr. Um, but there is obviously the, the Byrne and Emmett Mullins connection of right place, right time, and it could be. Uh, exactly that, the 2.25 at Haydock. Favourite there will be the Skelton Horse, and that's no surprise on a Saturday. It's Ricks. So um, that's an interesting race, decent field, and uh, a few shouts there um, to get stuck into. Now, look, we come to the biggest race, uh, potentially of the weekend, depending on you know, what your, what your uh, joys are come from. But the Betfair Chase, Aplutard, is uh, priced up at 6-4 to four to win this year's fashion. Bristol DeMay, who's always here, um, seven to two, six to one, waiting patiently. Next destination around fifteen to two. Uh, Royal Pagai is coming back for Venetia Williams, Charlie Deutsch at nine to one. Uh, Imperial Aura is in there, double figures. Chatham Street Land, Clondor Castle. That completes the field. It's not a bad field. Um, with a Plutard there, it's got a bit of uh, you know, 
Gold Cup um, sexualness to it. But I think this is all wrong for that horse, Darren. Yeah, no disagreement here, Dean. I think 64 is plenty short for a horse that um, doesn't necessarily have the greatest record fresh. Um, Henry de Bromhead. Terrible record fresh. Yeah, well, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't be as harsh to say terrible. Um, you know, he was second uh, in 2019 and second in 2020, ran to a reasonable level, but certainly well below what he's capable of running to, probably about mm. a stone below himself or maybe 10 pounds below himself. And I don't think he can get away with running 10 pounds below himself here. I really don't. Um, yeah. You know, th- 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 there's too much quality in the race for him to get away with that. But then kind of, I thought the ground might just be a bit spicy for Bristol to my uh, so I was kind of happy to oppose him at 7-2. I know he's a year older. Now, look, he'll be absolutely, screws will be as tight as they can be with him. This is his Gold Cup every year. But I'm just, at, I'm, I'm happy to swerve him at 10-3, 7-2. I've never thought waiting patiently was a great one horse in my entire life. I think 6 to one's a shocking price. I wasn't back on mature money. And the one I ended up coming down on was Imperial Aura, who I think still has a bit of upside to him. I was a huge fan of this horse last year. Um, item back for the uh, for the Ryanair. Obviously, things didn't work out there. He was just completely run off his feet. Thought he was a bit. I'm a member of I'm a member of that club, Darren. Sadly, yeah, I think he's an absolute. I think he could be a bit of a freak. Um, look, he's 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 obviously up and trip this year, which they reckon might suit. He's a pretty good record, fresh, good ground. Shouldn't be a massive imposition to him for all that his best form form probably is on on a softer surface. And when his wind touched up. I just thought 12 to 1 was a small bit too big. I see a couple of bookies there, kind of 8 to 1, and that would look more along the right lines to me. Uh, I don't. I think he is a lot less approved than Royal Pagai um, or Next Destination, who I don't think will be fully tuned up to win this. So at around 10, 12 to 1, I'm happy to take the chance in the period or here. Yeah, I, I have to agree. There were a couple of horses that I think are come back here. Next Destination is one of them, and the other one is Imperial Aura. And Imperial Aura at those kind of prices, uh, like you say, with the wind up done, um, I'd be inclined to agree with you and say that's where I might take a chance. It's hard to leave Bristol Demai on the subs bench, though, Dave, isn't it? Considering where we're racing and uh, what we're racing for. Yeah, big time. Like he, he loves Haydock. This is his time of year. But um, like the last time this was on good ground was 2018, um, when he beat Native River by four lengths. Who wouldn't have liked the good ground either? So um, I think you can argue that. He is not probably not going to get away with it in this good a field on the good ground. Um, I've kind of landed on by process of elimination. I kind of landed on next destination, um, given his form last year and the improvement he made with Paul Nichols. When you look compared to the other Irish horses that left with him once and went to him, he was the only one that really seemed to, to kind of go on and, and improve for the for the switch. Like Rob Gall needs ground softer. Um, I'm, I'm Jerry's out for me on Imperial Aura. Um, he kind of finished the season tamely enough last year. Um, and then the bottom two, they probably be ridden, like the Chatham Street Lad and Clondalk Castle, might be kind of each way alternatives, or if you can get maybe five places with some bookmakers as a special, um, in a place only market or something like that, because I'd imagine them two will be ridden to kind of pick up the pieces a little bit. Um, for all, they probably can't win. I think maybe 33 to 1, 28 to 1 are, are big enough prices for them. But I think next destination is, is the win, the win option um, in this race. Okay. Um, yeah, look, they've been the two on my list. Next destination, Imperial Aura, um, to bet in the race. But um, I'm guessing they're not going to get much rain at Haydock, which would put you back into a Bristol to my camp, I think. Um, and I think we're just all agreed that as though a Plutard is clearly um, the most obvious winner of a race like this, um, it just might be the wrong day and, uh, and first time up. And the price is wrong. 
that's where we're at. Yeah, like like Apatar was beaten in beginner's chase first time out in twenty eighteen, um, by a horse called Doctor Mikey, who was rated one hundred twenty nine, um, and then by Castle Grace Paddy and Baddy Oshin in the Fortia at, at Navan the following two years. Um, the only difference now is that it's over three miles, and they've realised that he is he is a staying horse, so it could bring out more improvement, and we might be able to go that bit slower and not make mistakes, and it's mm. right, it's the right way around from and all that. So, um, it could be that he's just a better horse now and more mature horse, um, but at six to four, it's not value to find out if he can turn it around this time, this now. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, so two shouts for Imperial Aurea, certainly at those double-figure prices from Darren and myself, and next destination for David Weldon. Okay, fascinating race. That's the Betfair Chase, 3 o'clock, Haydock on Saturday. Now we'll do one more race on the Haydock card at Saturday, and I was mightily impressed with Strictly a Dancer uh, just last week. Um, Jack Tudor and Christian Williams team up, and 6-4, to four, I don't really want to back anything else in the race, David. No, he was seven to two before declarations. Um, I, I think the bookies probably thought he wasn't going to run after run so recently. Um, but six to four, he's the obvious winner in the race. He's still well weighted. Uh, Jack Tudor takes back over. Who knows the horse? Um, and he this looks a very bit of very good bit of race plan by Christian Williams, who is is it. A good shrewd lad, um, and I can't see him beating really. So, six to four, and the getting out stakes might be an option come race time. Yeah, if you get to that stage, Darren, is this where you get out? Uh, not for me. Um, yeah, look, I suppose that if something that puts me off, and uh, this this could be just my own personal thing, is uh, the last two races he won were in amateur jockeys races, and I, I kind of sometimes struggle with the form of those races. Um, I know, look, he, he won well enough the last day. I just I think this is a there's a bit more depth to this. Um, like a lot of these horses are kind of bona fide one thirty five, one thirty plus horses. He still has to get to that level. He hasn't done it just yet. And I'm at, at, at the likely odds. I'm just I'm happy enough to take him on. Now look, the ground is going to be pretty spicy. I think we've already said that. So I'm looking for an alternative that will go on that. And the one I came down on was Mister Muldoon for uh, for the good doctor. Um, look, he's, he's he has form on on soft ground as well, but he also has. Pretty good for him on on um, on on faster ground. Um, looking need to improve a ton from his uh, from his return in the um, in the prelude handicap chase at Market Raisin, but I think that was a pretty good race uh, that day. It was pretty pretty a pretty hot race for him to go back into. The winner has since run quite well over the national fences. So nine to one, I just thought that was fair enough. It's frustrating. There's seven, only seven runners in the race, but like I'd, I'd be happy to back this guy win only at anything thirteen to two or bigger. Uh, I've doubts about the rest. Some kind of Ramsey Bate. I think we'll have other, or however you pronounce it, we'll have uh, other targets this year. Empire Steel. Not sure about him. Uh, Fidux was the other interesting one who who I thought would go on the ground, but um, yeah, ultimately came down on uh, on Mister Muldoon. Okay, Mister Muldoon at well a decent price and only a seven runner um, affair. Um, I just want to give a shout out to, actually to Ben Bromley for that ride on Strictly a Dancer at Cheltenham. I was mightily impressed. I He's good, isn't good. he? Uh, I thought he was super, good. yeah. Good. yeah. Good. He stood out from a mile off and also he had enough patience in his in his riding to deliver perfectly and go away and win. Now, it may, may turn out the horse was supremely well in and all that kind of stuff. And Christian Williams is a is a right man for putting him in the right races. So the fact that they're out pretty quickly, uh, Jack Tudor obviously taken over, like Dave says, knows the horse. Um, but yeah, big shout out to Ben Bromley. I thought that was a cracking ride. There's definitely a future um, for, for him based on that. I thought it was super. Um, okay, let's um, let's move on. We're going to head over to Ascot for Saturday. Uh, first race we're going to talk about there is the Chanel Farmer 1965 Chase, the Grade Two over 
quite a bit further than two and a half miles, two mile five. Uh, Deffy is back, David Weldon. Yeah, he is. And the confidence you would get from Sporting John's performance last week would give you confidence that Deffy might be uh, sharp enough for this. Um, mm. The grounds will be good, as we've been saying. Dash Drasher, all his best form is on heavy ground. So I'm happy enough to put a line through him. Um, given given the ground, lost in translation has been an ultimate disappointment. Master Tommy Tucker has uh, is, is similar lines to lost in translation, and then the two below that are probably handicappers. So, um, you definitely saw who's a proper Grade One horse. If Philip Hobbs isn't back, and they've done his wind, uh, he's well suited by the conditions. He gets six pounds from Dash Drasher at one hundred thirty seven to two odds. Um, I'd be willing to take a chance on him. All right. Yeah. I- I figured we might get a bit of that. Darren, you sharing the love here? Um, not quite. I um, I thought this was a proper race. Um, yeah, it's good. Again, I think the ground is going to be fairly spicy. Uh, yeah. I'll probably say that a few times throughout the course of this podcast, but it bears true. People talk about getting funny results and the ground is really heavy. That's true. You also get incredibly weird results and the ground is very fast in jumps racing because the vast majority of horses just aren't equipped to handle it. Um, so yeah, that kind of led me away from from Dashiell Drasher uh, on, on that basis. Obviously, the best wish best wishes to Matt Griffiths as well as regular rider who's uh, still recovering from a car accident. Uh, Deffy decided his best. He probably would be favoured here, but it's hard to know where he's at. Lost in translations and other serious well-being issues. And I just I, I wonder if the outsider the whole lot of them might go okay here. He was a massive improver last year in his final two races of the season. That's pistol whip for for, for Nicky Henderson. Uh, reading a recent stable tour with him and obviously looking at his form, you'd say that good ground is very important to him. It's a it's it's a benefit to him. Um, I know he was being readied for the American Grand National, so I'd say he's probably fifth. He ended up not travelling, but I'd say he's probably pretty much ready to go. He's 14s there. I just thought in a race, he, he also likes to go forward in his races, which I know Master Tommy, Tuck, Tuck, Master Tommy Tucker does as well. But he's not the best jumper in the world. Like, and Pistol Whip does jump particularly well. So I just thought he might be able to put these under pressure. He's a pretty quick horse. Uh, Ascot is likely to suit him. So at 14s, I just thought he was probably worth a chance. And I think kind of 10s or bigger, I'd be willing to take fire here. Like that. Pistol whipped a big price uh, for Henderson and De Boinville. I, I'd be leaning in backing lost in translation given the way the Tizards have started this season but that price Ooh. is just a little bit shorter than I'd like to be honest um, so to get involved there I probably want six of those which one uh, yeah. nine to two maybe yeah. nine to two maybe would, would definitely have me backing him because um, yeah, I kind of see this as a new start and maybe that's what we'll get from him Deffy and him you, you could get points from both so you've got to kind of factor that into the price but um, the one I wouldn't touch is Dash or Drasher, and I don't think there's much love for Jeremy Scott's horse on this pod today. No. The s- silence speaks volumes. Uh, sometimes the price puts you off even delving into the form um, I, any further than that. Yeah, like, like me and Dermot were like from last year, and uh, I think we both abandoned him, and then he won. Um, and then he went on a and winner won, run, and, and, we, <laughs> and we, we couldn't get on side him because he kept on going off. And we just think, yeah. ah, this this race is probably a bit too hot for him, probably a bit too hot for him, and he kept on winning, he kept on improving, but... Um, I'd say he'll be aimed back at that race, the Grade One he won last year, the, the Ascot Chase. That'll be where he'll end up. Um, hopefully, he goes and win it because it's great for Jeremy Scott to have a, a, a stable star like that in the yard. Yeah, and 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 Rex Dingle now taking over, obviously from uh, from Matt Griffiths. Um, yeah, big day for them at Ascot, and that's a cracking race, as um, as Darren alluded to. Um, the likes of Dash or Drasher, Deputy Soy, Lost in Translation, Master Tommy Tucker, Benny's King, and Pistol Whip, who he's even given a shout for. I mean, it's a small field, but it's pretty. Uh, 
pretty decent fare that so i look forward to that. that's the 205 at ascot on saturday next race on the card uh, we're going to get to see whether buzz can translate uh, recent flat heroics to the coral hurdle uh, two miles three and a half furlongs in front of them and goshen is there molly's Ollie's wishes is in some form and that might go help us get from the front and the bridge at andrews we'll find out but song for some will probably be doing similar guard your dreams will probably be doing similar um the, darren i'm coming to you first this is set up for goshen to come back in my opinion there's not an earthly hope that Goshen or Song for Someone can give Buzz six pounds. If you're only having one bet this weekend, make it Buzz. Have the lot on. Don't bother having another bet. This wins. Uh, he's 11 to 10 in most places. More than fair enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think Molly Ollie's wishes could be a gallant second. I actually think she's she's improving and improving at a rate of knots. Um, I think she could be there thereabouts in the Merit Circle next year. Uh, sorry, next March rather, if she keeps on this rate of progression. But um, I think this is pretty straightforward. I think Buzz wins. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not in any temper to uh, to oppose him here. I did not expect that, but I'm, I'm, you know, the full frightfulness I love. Uh, Dave, well, yeah, I, I'd have to agree with Darren there. Um, oh, no. I, I won't be having a bet in the race now because something about Buzz that just doesn't. Uh, I don't know whether I can trust. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't know whether I can trust him. We carried cash behind him. Um, I couldn't trust Goshen. Um, and two and a half miles for him. On good ground, it's not going to be his bag, especially given weight away. Um, you could probably make a case for uh, Garger Dreams as the outsider of the field, but he has a bit to find um, with Buzz. Um, like the chat with Buzz is that he's going to go to the stairs. So, and then you look at his form last season, and he's finishing second in handicaps and um, good competitive proper handicaps um, over two miles. So this is only going to help the step and trip. He finished second last year behind Alco Labras and the injury hurdle, um, staying on all the time. So like, while he might finish second, Buzz, he's the most likely winner of the race. Um, and I think he's the only option really for a bet. Like even like with sorry with Molly Oz, all these wishes, like he's uh, nine pounds better off, and given the conditions of the race, only has to give her three pounds, I think, or something like that. So, um. It's, it's really set up for him. It's a nice bit of placement from, from Nicky Anderson. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you, neither of you are convincing me that Buzz are even money, uh, even though Darren said just uh, put it all on. I, 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 think, I think this is going to be set up for Goshen, and I, I hope that's the case. Um, 11 to 10, Dean. 11 to 10 in the place, for God's sake. Mm. Yeah. Buzz is going to be hard fifth in the flat as well, Dean. You know? yeah. Goshen hasn't yeah. ran in 204 days, so... He'd likely come on for the run, and um, given his form last season, um, his runs in the flat and then his first couple of runs before he won again. Yeah, I know, but he's four to one. But it's Dean, and Dean loves a horse who can, he can <laughs> follow off the edge of a cliff. Exactly, and the, the day it wins, like, oh, yeah. Right. yeah, that's why it's good. Uh, no, I love Goshen, I hope, I hope he comes back. I, I'm not opposed uh, to Buzz having a very good season over hurdles, but. Um, I'm hoping it just doesn't start at Ascot 240. Why on Goshen at 4 to 1? Why was Goshen a non runner a couple weeks ago? No idea. Maybe they thought this would be uh, the right spot to go. They, they tend to make decisions. I think the horse probably comes in and out of you know exemplary uh, form at home, and then they we, never know yeah, where on the race track. Unsuitable ground. Unsuitable yeah. ground. Yeah, so this is going to be unsuitable as well, then, because it's probably similar ground to what it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I, won't, I won't back him until I know he's, uh, he's at the track. like. So we'll be okay. Um, yeah, 
I'm looking forward to it now because I feel like we've got a bit of a, a rivalry going on. Buzz versus, <laughs> Buzz versus Goshen, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, but maybe that's unfair because you know, Molly's always wishes song for someone. And even Guard Your Dreams, decent little field, a uh, small field again, though. That is the, um, the Coral Hurdle 240 at Ascot on Saturday. And now one of the races I'm most looking forward to of uh, the weekend. The 315 at Ascot is the um, handicap chase there over just a bit further than two miles. Uh, usual protagonist in here. Before midnight was very impressive uh, when seen uh, earlier on in the season, four weeks or so ago at Cheltenham Beat Sky Pirate. They reopposed. Uh, Amula Gold, Dave, I know is one of your uh, one of your favourite horses around. Monsoor Lecoq, Sully Adok AA. I don't know how you were supposed to say that. And then, of course, two sharing the same colours in the same yard is Diego de Charmil. And Dolos, uh, two to one before midnight, probably looks about right. Dave, it's not a race I'm going to play. Yeah, um, I was impressed. I, I've actually backed before midnight the last day um, at Cheltenham, and I was very impressed. Um, he kind of was handed the race a little bit, made all, but um, he jumped really well and uh, won by six lengths over Sky Pirate. Now he's more weight, obviously, to carry this time around. He got a eight pound hike for that. Um, and whether you get away with similar tactics again here, it's hard to know. He's an eight year old. Can he be improving that quickly? I don't know. Sky Pirate, I'd say they're probably just trying to work on the market a little bit, getting back down to a more suitable weight because um, he's probably not a graded horse. He's probably just a high-class handicapper. Um, that kind of led me to a mood of gold again, who at Ascot is just is brilliant. Um, last three runs has been a first, a second, and first. They've gone for cheap pieces, I think, now this time around, uh, or seven race post touch more cheap pieces in the past. Um £4 rise for that last Ascot win, which was in a similar race to this, um, beating the likes of Senior Lecoq and Sully Dock and stuff like that. Um, mm. Skeletons are still going well. Bridget Andrews gets on particularly well with this horse. And 5-1, to one, I can't see her being out of the first three. Um, it's only seven places, so typical as always. Um, mm. But 5-1, to one, I think, is a very fair price for, for a mill of gold. Five to one, fair for Dave for Amula Gold. Uh, Darren, they've all raced each other. Forms in the book. Where do you want to go? Yeah, I find this pretty tricky. Um, I had no strong betting opinion. Uh, I did think it was possible that Sky Pirate might turn the form around before midnight, but uh, I'd be lying if I, I, I was bullish about the last one. I'm, I'm certainly not bullish about this. Um, it'll be very much a watch and brief from, from these quarters, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it's not a race I'm going to play in either because it does seem so tricky and there is all that related form. But maybe that's just because I'm too lazy to work it all out. As well, I, I think I, with Sully Dock, I think the AA, I think that, that that's for Anglo-Arabian. I think it's just yeah. Sully Dock is the name of the horse. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. So you just ignore the AA? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's like, yeah, that's just, it's, it's a sign that he's not a thoroughbred, as the man says. Uh, a bit like myself. <laughs> Darren Hughes AA. Okay, okay. Anthony Honeyball's uh, Sully Doc, Aiden Coleman uh, aboard, is currently around eight to one. Um, before midnight, I think is the right favourite. But um, yeah, race probably not going to get too stuck into. Look, that's that's Saturday, but there's some, there's some crack in action at Navin, of course, on the Sunday, including the Troy Town. But um, Dave, I think you wanted to talk about the Monksfield, uh, the Grade Three novice hurdle on the card that goes to post at one fifty. Um, I'm not sure if we've got a full set of prices around. For no, you don't. We, no, no, no. We, we do know the field. No, we don't even. Um, it's just more so this race is usually a fair indicator of the stay and hurdler division, uh, mainly what Gordon Elliott will be targeting at it. 
So he's got Ginto and Hollow, Hollow Games there. One of them will run. They're both in the morning colours. Um, and if you wanted to be a bit clever, maybe have a bet on one of them, whichever one's declared before the race from Stairs Hurdle or something like that, um, just to get maybe something on your side. Um, because they are likely to be towards the head of the market, whichever one runs and will likely win. Um, there's some good races. For the novices, Dave. Yeah, for the yeah, novices. For novices yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, some there's a couple of other horses on Saturday. I just wanted to give a quick mention before going to Detroit Town. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Bob Ollinger is declared again. Hopefully he'll run, but it's a cracking beginner's chase um, in the first race, Gorn, on, on Saturday. And then Willie is starting to release a few big dogs. He's got a uh, deployed getaway in the Sheevy Park Colours and a maiden hurl on Saturday. And he goes up against Harry Alonso. They're both declared. And um, the Devil's Coachman is entered on Sunday in a beginner's chase at Navin. He was a good hurdler last year. He's one to keep an eye out for. And then mm. hopefully on Monday we get to see Dusart at Kempton in a beginner's chase, the same race that Altior won previously. Yeah, um, that would be quite a, a, a taking return uh, spot for Dusart. I do hope that happens. Uh, Darren, I think we were talking before, well, I know we were talking before we recorded this, but that Bob Ollinger uh, chase debut coming up that race got a bit of a roll call hasn't it it's, the, it's kind of the right spot for a good one yeah it has look and this is not going to be massively straightforward well like he should win but actually he's, Bob, he's, he's one to two priced up so yeah i think i just i just opened the price there in front of me so it, it should be straightforward enough for him um but at least he has some sort of worthy opposition but yeah it's in terms of the roll call you have an ergaman won this last year probably the best novice chaser between britain and ireland uh Lorena, Dr. Mikey, uh-uh. that was a dig at Shishkin, in case that wasn't I know, <laughs> that's um, why I said, uh-uh. Lorena, Kels <laughs> Hill's won it, Mooseland's won it, Dan Pauly's won it, so you kind of have a, a varying degrees of uh, of suitable trips there for, for the horse to end up winning it, but yeah, look, it's um, obviously Bob won his, um, he won his bumper at, uh, at Goran Park and he also got beaten in his maiden hurdle here as well, so plenty of form in the book round here, uh, and you'd hope You'd hope he can get off to a winning start for the for kind of the high, kind of the, the great white hope of a uh, jumps race or one of the great white hopes of jumps race at the moment. So hopefully he can get off to a winning start here Saturday. Yep, um, let's hope so. Anything else from Saturday you wanted to mention before I tease you into the Sunday stuff at Navin, Darren? No, not 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 nothing from my end. Uh, nothing from my end. All good. Okay, left field question for you both then. Before I do that, my Drogo versus Bob Ollinger. Bob, what price are you laying me on, Bob? One two. Just, <laughs> um, who who wins? That was Bob. the question. Bob, Bob. wins. Yeah. Bob, yeah. Quite comfortably, comfortably wins. Like, yeah, that's what, not... what price would my drogo have to be for you to change allegiance? It wouldn't be. It's either Bob Ollinger's a bet or there's no bet. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. You can back value losers all day. Yeah. The value is a lonely place. And, and you know. Yes. You know how much I love my Drogo Dean. Like I was all over him last year, um, but he's yeah. not in the same league. I don't think. Hey, look, it's going to happen at some point this year. Hopefully, please God. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, touch wood. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, Darren, did you want to talk about the Monksfield before I move on to the Troy Town? Uh, yeah, no, just I, I, exact same thoughts as, as David there. Uh, whichever one of the uh, the more impaired show will uh, will likely win. It's actually a pretty poor race, but it is. Um, it's a good spot on the. Um, on the kind of the indicator for the rest of the season, I actually hadn't caught that myself, so we'll, we'll definitely bear that in mind. Um, yeah, I think it's it's pretty straightforward though in terms of wins. Okay, Hollow Games or Ginto? Uh, yeah. We'll wait for we'll wait for Gordo to decide uh, which one he sends forward for the John Lynch carpets and flooring Monksfield novices, and that's the Grade Three One Fifty at Navan on Sunday. Now, 
the Labrick Story Town over three miles goes to post at 320. Um, I wasn't amazingly enamoured with this field. It's often a mixed bunch that turn up here. And Gordon uh, Elliott, once again, uh, I think he has the top four in the market. And uh, he probably has about six other ones in the field that could take those spots if he doesn't run the top four. So um, this is um, tricky enough to solve right now. But there are prices. Darren, I come to you. Yeah, I, I actually was the exact same as you. It's it's unusual now. I, this is usually a race I, I really enjoy. Now I, I rarely get the winner of it. Don't get me wrong, but it's there's usually something in the race you can go. Jesus, that could be quite good. Yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't in love with it either. Um, I think definite plan of the one is the one is probably the one at the front I'd want to swerve. I don't know how good a race that was in Cheltenham the last day. He made hard work, but I think maybe Sam Twist and Davies maybe went a small bit too soon on the hollow ginger or whatever, the, whichever the ginger horses it was and. I think this is going to be a little bit more difficult to win than um, than that race at Cheltenham. Um, yeah, I, I, I did. I found this tricky. The one I just came down on, again, the ground is going to be pretty good at Navin, much better than what it typically would be, or much quicker than what it typically would be in your your, your normal tri-town. And just on that basis, I thought Somchu for um, for Henry de Bromhead was semi-interesting. Now, if you're listening to this on a Thursday evening, do not have a bet in this race until Saturday at the earliest. You're going to have the over round is up to up sky high at the moment. Uh, it's standard four places at the minute. You're going to get a bag of extra places, possibly as many as six or seven even, uh, come Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Uh, you obviously get your best odds guaranteed, but also again, as I said, the prices are likely to be uh, to be a bit more favourable towards you. This lad is not going to be punted or gambled on. So if you do want to follow me in here, wait till Sunday morning. I just thought he was semi interesting. The second behind Top Moon from earlier on in the year. Who's a good bit shorter than him in the Ben? Um, he's well, sorry, they're around the same price. Sorry, he's uh, he's ten, he's ten, and my lad is fourteen. But yeah, it's it, it's it's a narrow enough selection. It's not one I'm massively confident on, but um, I probably will play him on Sunday morning if I can get a get a couple extra places going. Yep, that's the six-year-old Somchu, Somche, uh, Henry de Bromhead. It's number 12 on the card if uh, if you're searching around for exactly which horse that is uh, for the Troy Town. I thought there were three horses of interest here um, to me. Top Moon's run behind on the ropes um, could turn out to be pretty good, but he's got the weight to uh, to show for that. He'll have to run off 144. It's only a couple of pounds up, but that was uh, interesting for Joseph O'Brien. It's a double-figure price currently. And the other two were the Noel Mead pair. He's got more than that in the race, but Snow Falcon and 2A per me, um, I thought were overpriced uh, currently at around 25s, but maybe the market won't change too much. And of course, don't know if either are going to turn up. But if you could guarantee me that 2A per me would finish, I think you'll finish closer than that price suggests. And Snow Falcon will just generally run as Snow Falcon does. Should be in and around the mix before they get to the business end. And then whether he can carry it through at 11 years old now. David Webb. Yeah, as you've been saying, it's, it's tricky enough to figure out now, especially with no decks or anything like that. Um, the two I kind of looked at were um, Champagne Platinum, who was now with Enda Bulger from Nicky Henderson, who was a very talking horse last year and ran okay at Wexford last time out with probably a view to this race maybe. Um, yes. So with him in mind for that off one tree tree, he could be fairly interesting. And then the other one was for, I thought was probably Gordon, his best chance to be Run Wild Fred, who has a string of second names behind his side's name, but one of them was in the Irish Grand National and the other was in Tiestes and he's five pounds higher. Then when finishing uh, second behind freewheeling Dylan at Ferry House last April and has had a spin mm. behind Cape Gentleman in a, in a novice chase, so he could have a good chance with a fair bit of experience behind him as a second season novice. 
Yeah, and you know, Gordon kind of is going to frame this race over the next couple of days when we know what's going to turn up with the likes of Farkla, uh, Defi Blur heading the top in the market, sixes and eights respectively. Uh, definite plans we mentioned, then run well, Fred, and then you get down to the, the Hendo recruit, which is Champagne Platinum, you mentioned there, Van der Bolger, at double figures, and the rest are all double figures. So uh, this race will take a bit of shape yet. Uh, good luck if you can work it out. But as Darren suggests, maybe wait until uh, Saturday so you know exactly what you're working with. Okay, um, anything else to mention across the weekend before I come round for naps, gentlemen? Nope. Nothing for me either, I'm afraid. All right, well, let, let's, let's hit it then. Uh, Dave Weldon, give me your nap of the weekend, please. Um, you're supposed to know this in advance, Dave. I do, but I, I don't want to nap in the same race as Darren does, so let Darren go first there, because I'm not sure what his is going to be there. Let's go, Darren. Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm money, Manson. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take a flyer on pistol whipped. I, I really can see him running a massive race in the in the Chanel 1965 Farmer Chase at at Ascot. I, I really can. So 14 to one pistol whip in the 205 Ascot on Saturday will do me. Love it. Big price. 205 Ascot pistol whip for Nicky Henson, Nicky De Boyne. I'm sorry, If you want an actual winner, Bulls wins. Uh, if you want. Uh, sorry, <laughs> you, you, I'm sorry. You can't have buzz. Um, not at that price, anyway. Uh, Dave, well. Yeah, so I'll go uh, Martin Hall then in the 225 at Haydock at 20-1. Nice. Another big price. Martin Hall yeah. in that 225 at Haydock. On the, the complete the, the each way nap patent. Yeah, but I, I, I can't do that. I was going to nap Goshen. And even more so, I was going to nap Goshen off the basis of, of listening to you t- to tell me how it possibly can't win. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to struggle to find a bigger price one. Um, unless I go against something that you guys have put up. So I'm going to go with Goshen. Uh, it's not an each-way price, though, um, because of the, the shape of the race. It is a fantastic price, however, um, because of the shape of the race. So it depends which way you want to look at that. Uh, Goshen will bring it home, I hope. Um, okay, this has been the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's been myself, Dean Ryan, Darren Hughes, and David Weldon. And for now, we'll leave you alone. But um, thanks, guys. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.